It's podcast time and I am thrilled beyond belief at this podcast because I'm speaking to Jane Joseph. She's not only a dear, dear friend, she's not only a talented lady, she opened a door for me with Panto and changed my life completely. She was Scylla Black's understudy. She has been in the industry for years. She has her own theatres and in fact, it's 50 years. Congratulations. Can you imagine that? How old does that make me? <laughs> 50 years. I, yeah, yeah. 50 years. I did my first show with Ken Dodd at the Royal Court Theatre um, as one of his chorus girls. And uh, that was the start. That was my first professional show. We worked together in the Empire. Then you took over the Royal Court. You made me part of that. You have St. Helens Theatre Royal, which is superb that your daughter is involved with, which the family are involved with. But let's find out who Jane Joseph is. How did it all come about? Were you a dancing student? Yeah, um, I first went to... Uh, I was sent to ballet by a, a specialist consultant because I had... Um, kind of uh, deformed legs, you know, the, uh, what they used to call them in those days was K-legs when your knees knocked, and they were, but they were really bad. So he said, no treatment, just send her to ballet. And my mum said, oh, where should I send her? And he said, Sheila Elliott Clark, that's the best in Liverpool. Send her there, and I was two. And I stayed with Sheila Elliott Clark right the way through till I was uh, 17. Let's stay there, Jane. Talk about the discipline because it was incredible, the dip- discipline, wasn't it? And there are many dance schools now which help so many young people. Let's talk about that. The discipline at Sheila Elliott Clark's, I don't think um, I don't think parents nowadays would go along with the type of discipline that we had to adhere to. It was very strict. Um, they used things like a, a ballet stick, but it wasn't to hit you. It was to tap to say, get your leg higher, stretch that foot. And it was just a thing because lots of the teachers were older. So it, was, it helped them physically to put you in the correct position. Um, discipline was very, very strict. And it stayed with me throughout my life, having to... uh, Because I I attended the educational school, which was uh, situated in Rodney Street, the educational side of things. And if you rang the doorbell, there were three marble steps going up to ring the doorbell. You had to retreat three steps backwards, but not turn your back on the door and stand at the bottom until the door was open for you. And you would be asked who you were, even though they knew who you were and what class you were attending. So all part of the discipline. All part of the discipline. If you came without your white gloves, you would be sent home in a taxi that your parents would have to pay and return with your white gloves. Similarly with your boater, your blazer, anything else. Mm. It was so, so strict, but it hasn't done me any harm. It hasn't done anybody any harm, those disciplines. (laughs) Let's stay with um, uh, juniors. It's changed completely, hasn't it? I remember in Panto, they'd come and knock on your door, they'd bring your sweets in, the presents. I always remember you at the end of the Panto, and I will say this, ladies and gentlemen, this lady never ripped kids off. They got a pay packet at the end, which was great. (laughs) But let's talk about how important dance schools are these days. Yes, it's very important, but it's very important to go to the right dancing school because there are a lot of uh, dance schools that open up, uh, you know, in little locations, church halls, and that's fine. But if you're teaching something as serious as classical ballet, which you could 
end up under the wrong guidance and uh, do something wrong physically to a child if they're training. So my advice would be to go to somebody who is highly trained and has got um, credentials after their name. But there's nothing wrong with jazz and freestyle. That's lovely. But if you're looking to have training of the classical standard, and in my opinion, everyone who dances should train classically because it's the core of all dancing, how to stretch, how to warm up, how to go on point. If you're under the wrong guidance, you can do untold damage. So that's that's my take on where you should go if your child shows potential but if not let them go anywhere you know anywhere for dancing it's great it's freedom of movement and creates another group of friends for children aside from their school Mm. you know it's a hobby with your career you're now married with kids grandchildren you've got a very happy marriage a fabulous husband a lovely family around you how important was that while you were growing in show business or was it a hindrance at the beginning well, there's, there's different stages in my, what, if I could term it as a, a career, because I was a dancer, and I was a dancer that travelled all over the place, different parts of the country, different parts of the world, you left your family, and I had an absolute ball, and it was great. Then comes the time when you, you get married, and I found someone that I knew that I was going to be happy with for, for the rest of my life, and I have been, thankfully. And um, you've got to sort of pull the reins in somewhat. Although I still did a little bit of travelling before I had children. Then come the children and you think, now, come on, hang up your dancing shoes, girl, and get, you know, bring these children up. And that's another stage in your life. And that's when I was introduced into the world of directing and assisting the director. And I went on to the production side, which I've enjoyed, if not as, as much as, if not more, than performing on the stage. So I've had both sides of it. That's why I can see from the artist's point of view how they feel when they're learning their lines or they're a bit nervous because I've been through all those emotions and I'm now on the other side and I can see from out front and you can see a vision and you can see potential in your artists and if they need encouragement to get the best out of them like I did out of you. (laughs) <laughs> you did indeed. You did indeed. One of the big lessons you first taught me, which I'll never forget, you worked with Ray Cornell, yeah. who sadly yeah. has passed yes, away. Yes, yes. But the first lesson, isn't it funny how things stay with you? We were at the Empire with the twins from Neighbours. It was a huge panto. They were big stars. You made us stand at the very top of the theatre to show us how to direct our voice, how to uh, 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 send our voice around the theatre. That stayed Project, with me forever. Yeah, yeah. That projection was, yeah, that stayed yeah. with me forever. People don't realise this, do they? No, people don't. And my daughter and I, Chantelle, were only talking about this the other day when we went to see Sunset Boulevard, how the leading lady plays to Up in the Circle. She f- sold herself to the whole of the theatre, but never forget those sitting upstairs because no one wants to see the top of someone's head. So that's that's part of a, a lesson in theatre that, you know, is invaluable to be able to play to the whole theatre, to the boxes, to the stalls, to the circle, to the rear circle, you know. And uh, yeah, we did yeah. that exercise and we do it every show. 
We do that every show. Because mm. it's so important. Period, yeah. Before we start talking about Panto, because there's so much to talk about with Panto, tell me about you before. Did you ever do a cabaret act? Were you in theatre shows in summer I was, season? I, I, yeah, I've done everything. I've done a, a girl duo. I've been in Ray Cornell's. Uh, there was four girls and Ray in cabaret performing. We went, we went all over Europe doing an act two half-hour spots, which was a, a fast-moving cabaret that included songs from the musicals. Yeah, everything. Um, then I've been a tiller girl, haven't I, as well? You know, that was that was quite a formidable task, be, being a trained dancer. And then I was lucky enough, and I say lucky because I nearly, uh, I nearly left the audition procedure because they hadn't called my name out. And I decided to wait for my friend and not go shopping. And they ran in the dressing room and said... Jane Brown, that was my, my name before I was married. Are you still here? You've been chosen. So had I gone shopping into Covent Garden, I would never have done that. That landed me a lovely mm. six-month uh, contract in Blackpool from April till the end of the lights. And the training for that was so hard. I was trained up to, you know, a, a really high standard in classical and all forms of modern dance. But I ached because it was a different type of thing. And we all had to join up and link up and do all these formation patterns. And the, the idea is that you don't pull on the girl next to you. So it's all in the core, your core strength, that you support yourself whilst looking as though you're, you're holding hands, but you're not. And they're they're tough. They're tough routines. They go on for over five minutes, and, and they look yeah. perfect. Yeah, I, I, but the yes, work yes, that goes yeah, into yeah. the perfect. Oh my goodness! Yeah. yeah, I was. We were trained by Miss Barbara, who was mm. one of the original Tiller Girls. She formed the Tiller Girls, and uh, yeah, that was a great experience too. Tell us about some of the stars you work with that not in Panto. We'll talk about that later. Tom O'Connor and who should have been Ronnie Jukes and Ricky Lee? Do you remember their right, their do act? Indeed. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it, it was good variety in those days. It was a variety show, which I think is coming back a little bit, don't you think, Pete? Slightly. People yeah. want to what people yeah. want variety. Yeah. You know, I mean, you look on Britain's Got Talent, and they're bringing in. Uh, acrobats, fire eaters, mm. good old variety. Yeah. And there was a, a an Argentinian <laughs> band, which there always was, uh, called Los Amigos. One played the uh, the guitar with the big Mexican hats and everything, and, and the comic, and uh, a, a lady singer from Scotland, Moira Anderson. Moira Anderson. There's a <laughs> that, name for the was, past, ladies was, and gentlemen. That was in the wow. line of... She was a big the, star. Uh, she was a big star she was then, a big yes. Star. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah. was that. Yeah. So what was your first ever panto? My first panto was in Leeds and it was with, uh, it was Cinderella and it was um, a girl from the television called Aisha who did a programme called Lift Off. And Cinderella was played by Leslie Manville, who is a really, really um, fabulous actress now. She's, she's never off screen, but she played the young Cinderella. I remember looking at her thinking, oh, I'd love to play that role. But uh, yeah, that was, that was my first panto leads, yeah. Now, and then, of course, I went on to do um, Dick Whittington. Yeah. Now, yeah, let's yeah. stay with that a sec, because this is interesting. Of course, the leading men were played by ladies. Yes, yeah. Explain what that was about. Um, it was weird. Yes, it was, because um, it goes back a long time yeah. ago to the Commedia dell'arte, and they just decided that uh, there weren't enough men that wanted to be involved, and there was lots of women who wanted to do uh, acting and pantomime. So they made the male parts played by uh, a, a woman. Yeah. 
And, and it was the legs. Yeah, and, and the of le- course, yeah, yeah. you were the legs. Yeah. Silla, you yeah. were Silla's understudy. Yeah, I was. Because yeah, you yeah, had yeah, the same yeah, legs yeah, as yeah, yeah. both was, of you. I was chosen. Tremendous yeah, legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was it like doing that panto with Silla? Because it was a long time ago. That. I was very in awe of her. And, um, you know, we, we watched her every move. She was so professional. And she, one lesson I really did learn from Silla Black was how to work an audience. Because in pantomime, you get everything thrown at you, don't you? And you know the famous one. What should we do to the kids? Yeah. yeah, so there we are. We'll do the story now. Scylla's there and she's about to kill the guy and she went, how shall I kill him? And somebody went, sing to him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they were her yeah. off-the-cuff remarks yeah. and she would have different little yeah. anecdotes every night that she would say to the audience. And, of course, Peachy was working in her hometown, wasn't she? So she was in her comfort zone there. Absolutely. And her dear husband, Bobby, was there every night with her and her sons were, were there as well, mm. as much as, as they could. Yeah. You um, developed as a family, and we're going to talk about Panto now, but you developed, you took the Royal Court over, you were directing, you were producing at the Empire, you've got uh, the Theatre Royal in St Helens now, which is doing phenomenal, you had the Epstein. It. What made you go down that side? Right, I think we can go back 23 years ago, can't we? Um, 1999, yeah. And I got a phone call out the blue saying, did we want to take over Theatre Royal St Helens? Well, to me, that was like a child having its own sweet shop. I jumped at the chance. I couldn't wait. And I really thought it was going to be so easy, doddle, but it's not. It's darn hard work, it really is trying to nurture an audience and you've got to find your audience. You've got to find what that area wants to see. And St Helens is a working class town, Pete, as you know, and they don't really want a lot of things that the Liverpool City Centre can offer. So we have to give them what they want. Um, so hang on, so different audiences for different Different areas. audience for different areas, yeah. yeah, you know. I mean, certain amount of people will travel, but not to fill the place in a place like St Helens. It's, as I say... They want their laughter, they want their comedy, they want their raucous comedy, they want their pantomimes, they want their children's shows, they want popular comics. I mean, and comedy has changed as well, hasn't it, over the years? Because I remember having the great Ken Dodd three nights and by the time he was a lot older he was only doing one night because a different audience were coming through and his audience were failing and going and we we started to get the John Bishops in only on the way up by the way not when they were famous (laughs) but you know the students knew them and then then I mean John Bishop he actually had two gigs booked one in the March one in the September and he became famous in the May but still had to fulfil his contract. So he, he filled 200 seats in the March and by the end they were selling the tickets on eBay to try and get a seat to see him in the September. And to, to throw yeah, into yeah. that is also Peter Kay, Peter Kay and yeah. Jay MacDonald. Yes, yeah. And, and Tony Christie. Don't forget yeah. Tony Christie because yeah. what was yeah. lovely, ladies and gentlemen, Tony Christie, Jane and Chantal, they booked Tony Christie. Yeah. It then exploded. Yeah. But then this tiny little theatre had all the... Food trucks, food trucks and the, the ridiculous equipment. To, yeah. It was crazy. And I tried to go backstage and they went, you'll need a pass. I said, I own this, this place. <laughs> and they went, don't care, you still need a pass. 
that put me in my place. Anyway, I sat on the upstairs circle steps and watched Tony Christie because there were no yeah. seats available. And uh, yeah, I mean, and Peter Kay, they phoned and said, uh, Peter Kay wants to uh, come to Theatre Royal. And I went, oh, don't know how, how well he'll do. Make it a higher. We're guaranteed the money. And so, and uh, yeah, happened, and yeah. look what happened after that. Yeah, so we do. We get yeah. them on the on the way up. And then sometimes you get uh, really well-known comics, uh, like Jason Manford wants to do small theatres to yes. try their material yeah. out. Yeah. And because they're close to the... It's better than an arena to get the vibe yeah. of how well a gag's going to go down. And they want to, they want to come for one night and see how their, yeah. their, their new work... I'm talking, I'm talking to Jane Joseph, and now I'm going to pay her the greatest compliment ever because it is, and it's genuine. Jane brought Panto back to Liverpool. Panto was not happening yeah. in this country. You saw a market. The Royal Court is not what it is today. It was dreadful. It was cold. There was problems. You've got a husband that's in a different industry <laughs> that, thank goodness, could help you. Yeah. But what made you, what was the go-ahead that you went, I'm going to do this? Yeah, um, I'd been working at the Empire with Ray Cornell and you'd been involved in those pantomimes. And then they decided to stop having pantomime at the Empire. They didn't find it lucrative enough um, because that's such a, a big building and it takes so, so much to maintain the staff, the crew and all that it entails. So they decided to get a big musical in and that musical was Cats. So there was going to be no pantomime in Liverpool. And an opportunity came up uh, at the, the lovely, what was then Neptune Theatre, and I rang and they'd only ever had amateur pantomimes in there. And I said, I'm experienced now. I've been working at the Empire Theatre, assisting the director for the last five years. And I believe I can put a good panto into the Neptune, Neptune Theatre. They bought the idea and that's how Crown Productions was uh, established. And uh, yeah, I, I produced, oh, I think 10 years there. And we had lots and lots of local famous names from Brookside, which was still very popular then. And uh, our own Liverpool songstress, uh, Sonia. Yeah. She played Dick Whittington. She did indeed. Yeah, yeah. And so what made you move to the Royal Court? Well, the, the bigger uh, theatre? Well, no, it was just because we'd done so well at the, um, at the Epstein Theatre. The Royal Court asked, they said they'd like to do a big, big pantomime. And that's when we introduced Julie Goodyear. But of course, the royal court was in quite a sorry state, really, and we had to, we really had to uh, pin it together. Pin it together, yeah. Put a yeah. bit of chewing gum we, in we that. Did, yeah. It was. I worked yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I remember standing on yeah, stage yeah. watching the cold air coming out of yes, people's yeah, mouths. Yeah, yeah. You mean, really did do it under I, duress. I, I think you know what. That's what's made me persevere with theatre royal as well. I don't want to be beaten. And I wouldn't be beaten. I mean, there was days when Boxing Day and the musical director was stuck in snow. Well, he can't start the show without the musical director because we had no one to stand in for him. But we got through. We sent people on to entertain the audience and eventually arrived and the curtain went up. I'll never be beaten. I'd like to say, touching this wood here, that I've never cancelled a show. No. Now, while we're staying with that... Let's move a little bit to the pandemic. You really went 
through every problem in the world. And thank goodness your daughter Mm -hmm. played every part. She did. God love her. We had her on standby for every single role that there was. I mean, how we got through it. I mean, even at the Epstein when we were doing Beauty and the Beast with Ben, uh, Ben Richards, he got covid um, just in time for the press night. So we had no leading man for a press night. So did the fairy. So we had no fairy. So we drafted in a dancer. We trained him all afternoon. He knew the words because we make sure all our dancers cover all the main actors and actresses. And our choreographer, Nazim, went on as the fairy and read from a book and we got fabulous res- uh, reviews. But we will not be beaten. We will not be beaten. Likewise, down at St. Helens Theatre Royal, everyone had to do COVID tests, obviously, every day. We barred the artists from going out at night. We, we kept it in a bubble and we tried to keep that bubble tight and we got through. We got through. The only time we were stopped was when the government said we had to close down. But I think we got, we got three weeks in of Panto. It's unbelievable, though, isn't it? Looking back, and people don't realise now, I've just recently worked with Cliff Richard and the COVID rules are still in place. People don't realise. They don't realise, do they? No, no, not when there's so much money at stake because if, um, for example, you know, the the, the famous star who's ever in concert, he goes down, look what, it gets cancelled with big major arenas and it's catastrophic. You know, for them to have to cancel. Jane, you, let's talk about the theatre oil, which you've got. The pantos now are, there's three a year, isn't there? There's an yeah. autumn, yeah, yeah. A, a spring Easter. and, and yeah. Easter, yeah. Easter panto. Well, how's that come about? Because more and more people yeah. are doing it. I, I did the first one, actually, in the country. It was at Easter panto. It was at the Royal Court and it was a Peter Pan starring Eunice the Gladiator who's absolutely mental, so let her loose in the Royal Court. She was throwing herself from the box onto the stage. I think she thinks she can fly, but that's, <laughs> that's, you, that's Eunice. Yeah, and it didn't, it didn't take off as well as I thought it would because people weren't used to it. But we've persevered again, you know, won't be beaten. And now you can't get a ticket at Easter. It's a, it's a premium ticket, you know, get your tickets early. And, of course, our Christmas panto... Peter, it's selling like absolutely hotcakes. We've already extended this year, by the way. So we're into yeah. seven weeks of panto, yeah. Right, we're talking about Christmas panto. You have seen so many changes. I've worked for you for so many years. For instance, the ghost gag. Let's just talk about that. The old ghost gag, the guy came on behind you or the boy came on, blah, 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 and then the punchline is the ghost screams at the uh, dame because the dame's uglier. Now... It's gone to do new depths, hasn't it? What you're doing now with 3D. Oh, it's my goodness. Yes, yeah, yeah. We, we, um, yeah, we provide the audience with the, the 3D glasses and there's a, a special screen flown in. And, um, yeah, this year we're doing Aladdin and we've got a 3D sequence and Aladdin will fly on the magic carpet throughout the city, chased... And people with their 3D glasses on will have all kinds of things coming at them. But, of course, it's 3D. And it's so exciting for the kids. And I think, you know, it makes people tell other people about it, the experience. So it's not just... It's all interactive. And this is what you need when kids go to the show, for them to be absolutely attached to that stage all the time. So we try to do as many things that are interactive Mm. so the child will remember and want to go back to the theatre again. And Another point we must make... Panto is so important for several reasons. Two in particular. 
One, it brings you your next audience because they then could be become hooked on theatre. And two, it's the big earner to get you through bad months, isn't it? It certainly is, yeah. If we didn't do Panto, I don't think we would really get through the year. You know, we've done amazingly well because, as I say, we stage three Pantos a year and that, that's great. But our audiences are good. They're very, very good. And we've, we've got lots of sellout shows, but the Panto, every theatre will tell you, their Christmas production, whether it's... Um, what have they got this year? They've got um, Wizard of Oz, which is not a Panto. It's the musical, but it's still a Christmas show. And at the Empire, they've got to have a big production and to bring in that revenue where people traditionally go to the theatre with the children and it's part of their mm. Christmas setup to get good tickets. Yeah. And, you know, Christmas Eve never used to be popular. Now we do three on Christmas Eve. It's Isn't that weird? So because yeah. when I did Panto, yeah. that was one of the quietest days. Quietest, Nobody yeah. wanted to go no out No one wanted Christmas to go, Eve. but now it's part of keeping the children occupied because they're that excited and yeah. people realise, yeah, let's get down to the Panto. It's the start of Christmas. And uh, Boxing Day is quieter because a lot of pantos used to open on Boxing Day. That was the traditional day to open. That was the day. Yeah, and it yeah. went on sometimes, yeah, yeah. panto, to Easter, to didn't Easter, it, years yeah. ago? Yeah. Uh, well, gosh, yes, if, yeah. it, if it was a long run. In fact, my first show with Ken Dodd started on the 18th of December and ran right the way through till nearly the end of March. Wow. Yeah, wow. but it kept extending and extending like he's at. So, you started, <laughs> yes, and Ken Dodd used to say, if you've come on the late bus, it's time and a half. Yeah. Um, you started the Neptune. The Neptune has had a history of many problems. It's an amazing building with a lot of problems because of its age. You've been back to the Epstein. I won't say it's beaten you, but there's been problems. What yeah. made you go back? What made us go back is because it's a jewel in the crown of Liverpool and it just breaks my heart to think about it, the fact that it's it's closed as we speak. I hope it, it will remain in a state that it can reopen again, but at the moment it's closed. And we just saw the opportunity that there was a not, not another um, theatre in Liverpool that could be used by the people of Liverpool the way St Helens is because it's a community theatre. Somewhere with a, you know, uh, a dancing school can hire, an operatic society can hire, and affordable, and aff at an affordable rate. Because if you try to hire the big arenas or the big theatres, the costs that go with it are astronomical and people with these organisations just can't afford it because they're doing it to show their, their show off to family, you know, people who are in an operatic society. It's their hobby and all their friends, the butcher, the hairdresser and all their friends and family come to see them. So it's a platform and that's what we did at St Helens. We made it affordable. It still is affordable. We're very busy there. And the Epstein was absolutely, we came back from COVID as well. We took it over. We were closed down immediately by COVID. We reopened and we got it on its feet. It was doing really well. And now, due to unforeseen circumstances to do with the Liverpool City Council, it, it's no longer open and it's just a shame. Yeah. Here's an interesting point about Panto. People don't realise, and once again, you took chances. There are only certain titles that do well. Explain that. Yes, I know, yeah. Well... There's all different titles years ago that used to be Robin Hood and his Merry Men and Babes in the Wood and Pinocchio. But it seems to me that unless the title is taken over by Disney, 
and made into a film that the so children see at home. Cinderella. Cinderella, talk, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're talking Snow White, which, yeah, you know, yeah. talking Snow White. You're talking Aladdin. You know, you're talking Beauty and the Beast. They are the popular titles. And you know you've, you, you're going to uh, do well with the audience. Then it slips a little bit further down because Jack and the Beanstalk is a lovely title and so is Dick Whittington. But when it comes to staging those pantos, you're a little bit... Oh, I don't know whether it's going to bring in as much money because, as I say, we rely on our pantomime to bring in the revenue. And if there's a if there's a Cinderella down the road, will they go there, or will they come and see our Dick Whittington? It's a chance you take. But you had a go, and the three bears were Goldilocks, spectacular. absolutely spectacular. Were you yeah, worried? Yeah, yeah. Were you worried? We, worried? Yeah. My husband said, "I think you two have gone off your trolley putting that on." <laughs> He said, you thought he was going to make some money for us. Let me stop you there. The husband is the one that pulls in the reins yeah. and went, you're spending yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he, but, he, yeah. but they always get their way. Yeah. Chantelle and Jane always get their way. I said, Three Bears is a bedtime story that everybody tells their children. So they're Goldilocks and the Three Bears. So we made it into a, a pantomime. And it, was, it went down so well. Again, sold out. Yeah. We're, we're staging that next Easter. Again. Now, you mentioned um, um, Snow White and the yeah. Seven Dwarfs. Here's something the public don't know. You can't do the Disney songs, can you? No. No, we're not Explain allowed. Explain that. Well, they've just said that, you know, that um, we're not allowed to use them. And, and, and that, it's and not that's you, it. no, it's everybody it's in the everyone, country. Yes, yeah. And if you are found using the Disney songs, then, you know, the, the, the fines are quite uh, high. So uh, we have to use alternative mm. music. You can do versions... But it can't yeah, just, be their yeah. version. Yeah, and yeah, they're, yeah, and yeah. they're out there listening oh, to yes. you and having people yeah. watching. We had one line of a Disney song once in one of our... Um, yeah. I think it was one of the 3D sequences. Yeah. I think it just uh, was the sinking of the ship in Peter Pan or Dick Whittington, one or the other. And it's it uh, had that music, Under the Sea, just that. And we were reported for that. So Unreal. it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't think that one line would, would take us to... Fining. <laughs> talking talking to Jane yeah. Joseph, yeah. Uh, who's got the theatre role with your daughter, Chantelle. You have the most wonderful, magical working relationship, haven't you? Yes, it's amazing. She is, um, she's learned her craft from being with me, from being with me, shadowing me. And I've learned my craft from shadowing other people, and that's how you do it. And uh, yeah. you're now learning from her uh, because yes, of the yeah. the new stages. Yeah, well, I've stepped back, yeah. as you know. But, yeah, but, but you're still there. You're still producing. I'm, I'm still in the... But I come in sort of in the later stages yeah. now and throw a bit of fairy dust over the show. And everybody welcomes my, my opinion yeah. because of my experience, obviously. But uh, Chantelle's craft for directing a show now has risen beyond heights I never thought she would reach. I mean, she can she can light a show and she does it so quickly, which is what we have to because we can't afford to spend two, three, four weeks rehearsing. Which is what used to happen. But, which is what, and which still does happen because it, if somewhere has got funding or their council back, then they can afford to do that. But we can't because we're, we're, we are ourselves, we're Theatre Royal, we, we're self-funded, we get nothing from anyone, so yeah. money is of the essence that we can't afford to spend on weeks and weeks. So, yeah, we've, we've, we've found a formula, Pete. We've got a formula for rehearsals. We've got a team. 
and our team know our formula and we whip it together. But my goodness, the results, it looks like we've, we've rehearsed for weeks. Yeah. Also, a lot of pressure now on the acts because sometimes there's three shows a day, which yeah. all theatres yeah, yeah, do because yeah, yeah, you yeah. need to get the yeah, money yeah, in. Yeah. I know that you're very caring to watch because I work for you. So I know genuinely you're very caring. But I think it's gone to a new level now. I think it's pizzas and sweets for the last yes, week yeah. to give them the energy. <laughs> well, certainly on Christmas Eve when it's bang, 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 three shows, ten, one and five, I think yeah. it is, on Christmas Eve. We send food and things in for yeah. the, all of the front of house, the crew yeah. and the cast backstage and anybody who's involved in the theatre. We feed them and have a little Christmas party in between shows um, so that they don't have to yeah, run yeah. out and, yeah. you know, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. We, you know, you look after your your cast, crew and theatre staff and they'll do the best job for you. And I have to say at Theatre Royal, it's a family. It's They're not family, but they're yeah. like our family, yeah. The other thing is you've created a lot of stars who've gone on to big things. Yeah. It is the greatest grounding. Panto is the greatest yeah. grounding. Yeah. couple of things um, before we finish. One, people don't realise in the big theatres, like the Empire, that the ad-libs are not ad-libs. They're actually written in, aren't they? Whereas in the Royal Court or the Neptune, which is now the Epstein, or the Theatre Royal, they can be a bit of fun, but it's still disciplined, isn't it? Yes. Um, if it works, and in my opinion, this is how we do it, if an ad-lib works and the audience can see the funny side of it and they're involved in it too, then we'll leave it in. I I don't like people changing script on, you know, without any permission. If they were to come to us and say, I think this line works better, then that's fine. We don't like anything smutty thrown in by artists because that's not the type of audience that we're we're playing to. There's a, there's a, there's time for that when we have other nights when comics come in and the audience know what they're getting. So in our own productions and even because we do our own plays as well, don't we? Our own comedy plays. So uh, oh, I mean yeah, the program yeah. now at the Theatre Royal is spectacular. Yeah. What you just mentioned then about changing lines in our day years ago when it started, if you were in a big theatre and you changed lines, you got fined. Oh yes, indeed, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, I wouldn't like artists changing lines because then that throws the other artist on stage as well. Because it is a working because it's company. A, yeah, so yeah. if it's funny, we try it out in the, in the rehearsal room. If it works, then you've got to see if the audience get it. And if it works yeah. with the audience, then that's fine. It can stay. Jane, yeah. before we finish, I've got to tell everybody out there, people do not realise the work that goes into Panto. They have no idea. You're now planning next Christmas, aren't you, 2024? Well, we're, we're well into casting Easter, yeah. and we'll, we'll be looking at our title now for, for, for next Christmas. Yeah, it takes 12 months to stage it. Cast, costumes, sets, what sort of uh, spectacular visuals you're going to use in the show... And to make it special, we put our heart and soul into it because we're not, uh, we don't churn pantomimes out like um, factory processed shows. You know, each show is crafted individually to get the best out of each artist. And you know, we'll work to every artist's greatest potential to show them off. The other thing is that people don't realise, you used to be years ago, um, uh, it was blackmail from the stars because they got vast amounts of money. You needed big names to bring people in. You then developed from the Neptune, from the Royal Court, from the... Uh, that the show is bigger than the name. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
that uh, we still like to bring names in, obviously, but we've got a budget. So uh, everyone that works for us, they're, they're all very happy with their, their, their fees. We're very fair. But I love to nurture the unknowns as well, because this is where they start, isn't it? You know, and they've, they find their platform. And in pantomime, so many guys have gone on to, to greeter things, haven't they, in the West End that have worked for us. From... Well, every time you go yeah. to London, yeah. Yeah. you and Chantal go and see shows because you get ideas. Yeah. And there's always somebody yeah. who's we worked for you. We look on the cast list and go, oh, my goodness, there's so-and-so that worked for us in such and such a time. And, yeah, um, there's always someone. There is always someone. So yeah. what's on at the... Um, Theatre Royal this year? We are staging Aladdin at uh, Theatre Royal and um, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's Liam Fox from Emmerdale. I unfortunately, I do dip in and out of the soap, so I'm not that familiar with him, but he's, he was in it for many, many years, so he's well established, Liam, isn't he, as a character. And Leanne got, Campbell. And Leanne Campbell, yes. Who's worked for you yeah, from a little from girl. From a little girl, yes, yeah. And Tim Lucas is one of our, oh, by, back by popular, yeah, back yeah. by popular Who demand. has been working in Blood, Blood Brothers. Brothers. Yeah, and of course we've, um, we've got our lovely Lewis Devine who's our comic, yep. and he has established himself as a, as a favourite with the children, as a Buttons, as a Simple Simon, you know, this year he's wishy-washy, and he'll make the part his own. They're all very hard-working, very dedicated, and very loyal to us, and they give 150%. And what yeah. people must realise too is that I've only had one bad one, but the family, it's a family. They yes, have yeah. got to get on. Yeah. They have got to like yeah, each other yeah, yeah. because we're together. Well, it is. It's crazy. It's, it's the bubble. Yeah. And when people talk to you and say, uh, you know, uh, have you done your Christmas shopping? You look at them like they're, they're nuts, don't you? Because Christmas shopping, what's well, that? Well, you've never had a Christmas, I've, I've never had a Christmas. I've never, I've, I've never had a Christmas, no. My poor girls, I used to have three pantomimes on at once at St. Helens Theatre Royal, Royal Court in Epstein, and they'd be in the back of the car. And I'd say uh, on Christmas Eve, by the way, what do you want for Christmas? Yeah. And they, but that was the way they were brought that's up. The, that's the way they were brought yeah. up. They were born in a They've got kids of their own now. They've got kids of their own, yeah, so they understand. But, uh, Hardest question in the world. All the pantos, whether you were in it, whatever one you produced... Is there one that you'll say, no one can ever take that? i tell you which pantomime that stand out in my mind forever and ever is Aladdin at the Empire Theatre starring Mr T. I'll never forget because I watched the A-Team on television and never in my wildest dreams did I think that I would have to go to a hotel and collect Mr T and climb into a limousine with him and drive to the Empire I couldn't speak. I was speechless. And he couldn't speak either because he was staring at me. I was staring at him because he didn't quite know why he was there or what he had to do because pantomime is so alien all those years ago to um, Americans. And uh, he learned his craft. And in that same show was a very young Bradley Walsh. God. He played wishy-washy. And it was an absolutely amazing season. Mr T really took to me and my husband because he felt safe and protected. So we ended up taking him everywhere and it was just quite an amazing season. Where like, did yeah. the idea come from? Because we went through a stage of Australians, yeah. then yes. 
Americans, yeah, and they brought yeah. some huge and paid yeah, huge yeah, money. Yeah, yeah, huge money. Yeah, I, I have to say that um, that the one that when they brought Mr. T over was phenomenal. Yeah. But then the UK audience didn't like some of the Americans that they no, brought no. over. You know, they they went. Uh, I'm not mentioning Pamela Anderson. No, you're not mentioning Pamela Anderson <laughs> or Baywatch. No, I think the women, the Liverpool women, were jealous of their fellas sitting in the audience going. Whoa, I've got to be them. honest, though. I've never seen so many grandfathers in one room. <laughs> well, that was the problem. I don't think the women wanted a book to let the husbands. They were go. sitting with their with their grandchildren, say, "You will watch this." You will watch There's this. Pamela. Yeah. Jane, you're a fascinating lady. What I'm going to do, I'm going to put you on the spot now. I want you to come back after Christmas. And we'll have the same conversation about everything that's gone wrong and funny <laughs> stories in Panto. Aww. So this is a tease yeah, for yeah. that. Is that a good idea? I have got stories that will make your hair stand on end. <laughs> so what we'll do is we'll sto throw story for story. Jane Joseph, yeah, yeah. how oh, do they get in touch with the? It's all over social media. Um, ah, uh, yes, yeah. It's St. Helens um, Theatre Royal online. Easy to book, fabulous website, book your tickets. But please, I'm not just saying this. If you want good seats for your kids, don't leave it late because it really does sell out. And there aren't that many pantomimes in the Northwest this year that, uh, you know, for children, um, for you to be able to go to traditional pantomime, I'm talking, where the children are interactive. We've got a fabulous cast. It's a fabulous title. And the kids just love it. But it will sell out. So, you know... Be late at your peril. And Jane Joseph, thank you for changing my life through Panto. <laughs> you really have. Well, I'm You're glad a, I did, yeah. You did. You're a dear friend. You're a talented lady. And I miss working with you so oh, much. Oh, likewise, Pete. But we still have a nice cup of tea together, don't we, love? <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. Why not subscribe? You know it's free. So join us and tell your friends. It's great going on walks and doing whatever you want to do and then putting P-Price on. We've got a back catalogue of over 100 interviews. Join us. Subscribe. It's free.